1: Welcome along to episode 648 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, Catherine Tildesley, formerly of Coronation Street, talks about Green King's current plan with the landlord knowledge. She spent her time behind the bar at the Rovers and at the pub in real life. We talked about the importance of community when it comes down to your local. On top of that, we'll be joined by Kelly Jeff, CEO of The Lighthouse, as we find out what's going on there, with some fantastic films and some great art work on display on the walls and on the big screen as they will be showing some fantastic plays too in the run up to Christmas in addition to that we'll be we finding out the work of Emily the Little Match Girl all brought to life courtesy of Matt Hickingbottom as he has got a brand new production of the Hans Christian Anderson story which is going to be a short film released via its uh, portal on the 29th of November and a premiere the day before full details on that one plus Elaine Christie joins us for a bit of a matter about her world of poetry and publishing that's all on the way on the show this week Emily the Little Match Girl is a movie project being worked on by Matt Hickenross at the moment and he joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I trust we find you well. Uh, yes, fortunately, very well indeed. That's the way we like it. So, uh, you are a man behind the camera, and so did
2: you sneak in front of it sometimes as well? well I used to in my, uh, in my youth, yeah, a long time ago. I used to be part of the Central Television Junior Workshop, which was all based in Broad Street in Birmingham, in the old uh, ATV studios back in the day, mm-hmm. which is uh, long gone out. now. So yeah. yeah, I was going to say, it's long gone now, sadly. But uh, so b- back in my youth, yeah, I used to spend a fair bit of time in front of the camera. But um, when I was doing my GCSEs at uh, secondary school, I very much got into the um, the technical side and the uh, and the music aspects. So I was a very keen musician uh, back in my youth, mm-hmm. and um, and so very very quickly decided that if I could uh, if I could do stuff in front of the camera, it'd be interesting to find out what went on behind the camera. And uh, I I like to learn new things all the time. So I was just it, I just found it fascinating that there was so much stuff that I didn't know, uh, and I just you know delved into it as much as I possibly could. And I suppose it, uh, ended up doing more behind the camera as I was in front of the camera. And uh, and it kind of went on from there, really, I guess.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, when it comes to it, uh, it's, it's although the actors are vitally important, if they didn't move around and say things, it wouldn't be uh, quite the same. <laughs> but uh, I would say at least two-thirds of what actually ends up on screen happens
2: after they've put their performance in. Oh, crikey, yeah, there's a huge amount of stuff, which, uh, which again, I suppose most people don't see and don't know um so if you you can literally spend well i think the big thing is people say well this video project is only for instance 15 20 minutes so why why does it not just take a couple of hours to put together and they, they don't see that there's all the prep that goes in front of it there's the the rehearsals the the time of the actual production itself but then there's a huge amount of post-production to make sure that that edit flows correctly the sound is mixed properly the colors don't suddenly jump out at you and the, there's a there's a i would i would probably say there's there's more that happens uh, well a hell of a lot more that happens on the back end of of the production to make sure that it uh, it comes out and it all looks glitzy and glammy on the other side definitely I mean,
1: everything but people don't notice things like maybe a, a 2 second cutaway which helps tell part <laughs> of the story you could never do with words or
2: sound No, it's very difficult so the the the, the power of an image is is ex, extremely important really very important yeah
1: and we've obviously, of course, gone through the writing and the uh, storyboarding stage of finding the venue, the the, the sets, the uh, anything to do with the location, uh, getting people dressed correctly so it doesn't look like you just bought some weird stuff off eBay and hope for the best. There's a, there's
2: an <laughs> Have you seen my productions before?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it is just just so huge, and sometimes you think. The, the, a 20-minute piece is is probably going to take longer to do than something where, uh, but b- per minute on screen, than, than something which is like an hour and a half production because you may well be re- reusing sides.
2: Yeah, well, it, 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 it literally can, yeah. It'll take exactly the same amount of time um, because a lot of the pre-production stuff for, for any production is the same, so you'll still have to uh, put contracts together for your actors. You'll still have to, as you say, find locations, find all your equipment. So all of that time, regardless of how long your movies, is, is kind of like the same. Um, But that's where I've had the benefits of of, with this project of the whole thing is animated, so that I haven't had to worry about going out and finding uh, locations in any set places. All I've done is gone out and done research. So I took lots of photographs of things that I wanted to include. And then um, spent many an hour coming back and, and rebuilding these locations in a 3D environment, which has it's been... you uh, have to
1: go and find the sets, though, for the inspiration. So you, it, it still it doesn't stop, does it?
2: Yeah, so I've been very lucky, really, especially locally. So we've had um, places like the Black Country Museum have been absolutely fantastic for us uh, to go and have a wander around and take lots of photos because it's a period piece. So it's all set in um, in round about the... Well, my son, bless him, he's absolutely fantastic. He's... Uh, He's he's told me the the window of time that it would have happened with the uh, with the factory act and everything else that he's been doing at school. So I was I was amazed. So if you're not aware, it's um it's the story of the, the Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale, The Little Match Girl, mm-hmm. and um based in a in a UK or English setting, if you like, rather than uh, Scandinavian where it was originally written. And um we we, we looked at what the, the kind of things that were happening. So it's very kind of Dickensian in its feel, um, and so. Elliot, blessing my eldest, was saying, "Well, it's obviously going to be around about eighteen thirties to eighteen forties, Dad, with the factory acting what kids could and couldn't do." And I was like, "This, this is just this is gold for me." <laughs> so, and uh, you know, I've got no reason to doubt him because he's, he's much brighter than I am when it comes to history. He loves his history. So we um, we spent um, quite a lot of time going around historical places and getting inspiration and photographs and things like that. And yes, when you're doing stuff on a software basis, there are some limitations as to what you can recreate and do, but. Um, but we had a lot of fun with you know having a little bit of artistic license here and there and and, and creating this whole world in a in a digital 3d environment which is quite cool really and how much do we learn about emily and her backstory then because obviously you you're taking from uh,
1: a, a text which has been known and loved but the there is sometimes when it comes to the, the likes of the, the fairy tales and these these stories from on old there's an assumption of uh, kind of a of, of now as to when they were written, that unless your your son, you don't have any appreciation of. Uh, or there's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, the the rest of the social history that went alongside the the oral storytelling uh, trope that was, uh, you know, which, which gave birth to these tales.
2: Yeah, well, the the great thing here is the the original Hans Christian Andersen short story was written in 1845, and to be fair, it is that it is a short story, and it literally explains. That this girl is, um, you know, living on the streets to some degree, with going out selling matches, and her grandmother was the only person that she loved. She recalls a story that her grandmother told her. She strikes these matches, and then at the end of the story, if you know the story, unfortunately, it's uh, it's it got the ending that it has. So yeah. I started I started work on this project, and believe it or not, this is this is where it gets a bit complicated. I started working on this in 1996, so it's a it's a it's a big old uh, a big old trek to this point through now, various. Are, are, are you including the conception of your son in this? <laughs> well, it would have definitely been in there somewhere because he's only thirteen. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but um, so yeah, I started. I started working on it a very, very long time ago. And um, when you, uh, the, the original story was so short. So over that time, I've, I've developed the story into more than what's um, more than the original Hans Christian Andersen story. So when you're talking about, is do we learn about her backstory? You do a little bit. Yeah. And you also learn more definitely about the social um, period because we've got we've enveloped the story. So rather than her just being out at the, at the start, we find out that she actually still lives with her grandmother. And unfortunately, her grandmother passes away at the start of the, the film, which then opens it up to her being left to the care of the authorities. And a corrupt constable of the time period takes this uh, orphan girl to the local match factory and effectively sells her. Mm-hmm. to uh, To the guy who who runs the match factory, who's a little bit of a fagan esque character, if you like, from uh, from uh, Oliver, and so he has a, a whole bunch of kids that he looks after and 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 feeds. well, say Looks after. He feeds them, and then yeah. he sends them sends them out every day to to go out onto the streets and sell his matches. And so the, the the traditional story, if you like, is embedded within this new environment. But there's a lot more that happens. There's new characters. There's um, there's a whole string of events that happen where. You've got another, another two characters that, uh, that try and come and save uh, Emily or find her because they realise that she's missing and stuff. And we, we've got a very um, a nice social class uh, conflict as well where we've got the, the working class element of it. But we've also got that this uh, rich gentleman finds one of the girls that goes out looking for young Emily and they team up together because he they've got a, a little story going on, which is quite nice, uh, to try and find her. So hopefully there's, there's a lot more than the original story but the original story is is very squarely and securely uh, placed in there. Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm-hmm. And they, obviously, it's still relatively new mass media when uh, you, you, this was first published uh, back in the day. And I, I think that the, 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 the how rapidly things have moved on that allow us to tell stories in so many different ways in a way which only acting would have been able to produce back then. Uh, yeah, it, it is quite exciting to, to think what Hans Christian Andersen would have made of this. Worried to see the final project once you've got this done.
2: Yeah, I've, I've no doubt it would be. Yeah, it'd be absolutely fascinating. If only we'd uh, we'd got time travel, it would be uh, it would be awesome, wouldn't it? Really, to find yeah. out. But I think it's it it's been done um, several times before. You know, in various little uh, strands, but they've always tended to stick to uh, a short story element or, or or very small pieces. So hopefully, this just this just delves that a little bit deeper. And um, when you say about technology, even. Even probably seven or eight years ago, this this wouldn't have been uh, possible. Certainly, from someone from me to be able to do it would have been, a, you know, a big multi-million dollar studio somewhere in L.A. Yeah, no problem at all. They'd have they have spent a long time making and creating this. But um, but it's only been recently that technology's been able to give people like me that's that does you know, smaller budget stuff. Um, the opportunity to step up and actually make something of, of this of this size, I suppose. And um, I've been very lucky that the company that run that make the software is a company called Reillusion, and they're based over in uh, California and Taiwan. Mm. And we've been talking to them quite a lot, so they've been feeding us with um, you know updates that are coming or, or things that, that we can do within their software. So it, it's been absolutely fantastic, really, to be able to to be on almost like the leading edge of their of their software to try and push. Uh, what we're doing as well as what they're doing so it's it's been a, a lovely little match made in heaven I suppose to somehow if you'll excuse that no, no 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 <laughs> not a
1: clear pun there However, yeah that, that definitely wasn't
2: intended that was pure <laughs> action <accident.
1: laughs> no, give us the details on, on the the current stage of things and, and when we can expect to see this okay
2: well the film is completely finished mm-hmm. um and it was only it was only last week so it's been quite tight uh, The a bit of rendering has been done yeah, and crikey, I tell you, it takes a long time to render <laughs> stuff out, a very, very long time. But, um, yeah, so we've got, um, uh, everything's all done. So this, uh, on no, it's not. on Sunday, the 28th of November, we've mm-hmm. got the uh, premiere at the NEC IMAX in Birmingham. So we've got, um, if you're not aware, we've got the lovely David Bradley from Game of Thrones and all the Harry Potter movies. He's voiced our uh, matchmaker character, who is, uh, who's, who's just been an absolute pleasure to work with a lovely lovely guy and a pure professional he's every every element that you throw at him he's (laughs) he's just he just feeds back gold it's absolutely brilliant uh we've had the lovely leslie joseph who is at the um who you'll know from birds of a feather from when we were kids i suppose and does some great stage work as well she's she's
1: She's been absolutely kind of fits with all this as well doesn't it
2: yeah, well, the nice thing which I wasn't even aware of uh, when we originally approached uh, her agents about it was that she was um, nominated for a uh, Laurence Olivier Award for Best Newcomer to the West End. I had no idea that she'd done any West End or musical work, but she was in Young Frankenstein. And um, and so I had to very quickly come back and, and write a song for her so that uh, we could get her singing in there as well, which uh, which we've done because she, she got you know, very interested in the project quite quickly. And I was like, wow, this is this is amazing. So, uh, but her agent said, oh, it's a shame there's not a song. And I was like, oh, well, there is one. <laughs> <So> <laughs> very, very quickly come back and write a song for her, which uh, which has gone great. But we've got some fantastic cast locally as well. We've got um, our main girl, uh, Emily, who's a girl called Meg Sadler, who's uh, based in Derbyshire. Yeah. Uh, she's currently studying uh, theatre uh, at the Bird College in London. So, she's, so we, we've been extremely lucky with the cast and the people that we've got involved, um, even right down to very locally. Um, again, because during lockdown there's not a a huge amount that can happen so both of my both of my boys Elliot and Jake are both playing characters within the film (laughs) um and we've just kind of got family and friends and and people that wanted to have smaller parts and uh, but it's just been a a real collaborative you know let's let's just regardless of what's going on in the world let's just push through and make it happen so it's been a, a great experience to do.
1: Well, it, it sounds absolutely amazing. So you've got that premiere on the 28th. What happens then? Is there a distribution deal, or are we looking at the DVD and the likes of even that? Yeah,
2: well, again, what we've done, because of the way the world is, um, not many people have been able to get out to the cinema, or a lot of people are still you know, unsure of, of being able to get out there. So we, even though we have spoke to a couple of companies, what we've actually decided to do is we've done an online distribution. So on the website that we built, which is musicalmotionpictures.co.uk or .com, they both go to the same place. Um, as of Monday, the 29th of November... You can uh, stream the movie live from that site. So whether that's your tablet, your phone, your laptop, your internet-ready TV, you can uh, you can rent the rent the movie from there for forty-eight hours and uh, watch it to your heart's content.
1: So uh, I think multiple viewings will be required because it, it's, it's going to be one of those things where you will want to watch it twice because there's going to be so much going on that you need to, to look at the different elements on
2: uh, uh, on multiple screenings. Well, hopefully, <laughs> if you <laughs> want to watch it twice, the happy days. Give but, us all uh, the
1: details again on where they can find it.
2: Yeah, so it's on musicalmotionpictures.co.uk or musicalmotionpictures.com. Both go to the same place. And there's lots of extra information on there on the website into uh, who's involved in the project, uh, who's made it. Um, lots of information about the software that we've used and bits and bobs like that. So it's, uh, there's all sorts of fun and things to uh, have a wonder through there. Well, Matt Hickenbottom, current custodian of Emily, the Little Match Girl. thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on, uh, on today. It's been great fun. <laughs>
1: Three quarters of pub managers know more people locally than the average resident, and it doesn't take long before you've been to your local for you to become one of those who the landlord knows. To tell us more, I'm joined now by real pub landlord Terry Rig and also Corry Star, Catherine Dildersley. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you? Uh, all good here. I trust we find uh, you both well. Very, Very good. good.
4: Thank you.
1: So, first of all, I mean, as your time uh, in Coronation Street, uh, playing Eva Price, Catherine, uh, behind the bar, you obviously you knew who all the locals were because you'd seen them on telly for a number of years before you got the gig. But it's not quite that simple when it comes to real life barmaids, is it?
4: It's not, no. It's, it's quite a skill. Um, mm-hmm. I was a barmaid for two years before I joined the cast of Coronation Street. So that was great training. But, um, you know, the hours are very long. You have to be passionate about what you do. As, as a landlord or a landlady, you have to love your job. And, and these people are. So when the opportunity came along for me to be part of the Green King campaign, I was absolutely on board with it because right at the forefront of what they do is bringing back that sense of community. Because we know that over the years, landlords and landladies and, and your local pubs um, have been right at the forefront. You know, They have been pillars of the community for years and years now. And so what Green King have done is enabled them, I'll, Terry, I'm sure will tell you more about it, um, enabled bar staff to have extra training to you know, look after their staff, but mm-hmm. to also help look after their customers, um, especially in terms of mental health, they can now help identify signs of anxiety or depression, um, which I just think is amazing.
1: Because yeah, Terry, you, you're not just there to sell beer, you're also there not to sell beer at the appropriate time too, and it, you've got quite a responsibility as a landlord, it's, it is so much more than just running a pub. Oh, 100%, it's more than just
0: beer and bricks and water. it's being a part of the community, um, uh, greeting different people into the business, looking after our team, and you're a pillar of the community, involved in all aspects of what's going on around you in the community, and... Yeah,
1: well, Everything from coffee and cakes to pints of beer to celebrations. Yeah, but it's also being at the heart of the community and we've lost too many pubs now. I mean, it's where do you go when your local goes? It it isn't easy and it's not been an easy time. And the last two years now have made it even more damaging to a trade, which is all centred about people getting together. But it's doing it in a a safe and sensible way. And again, that's kind of part of the heart of what pubs do. You're there for the community when you need to be, but have always had to take a step back when it wasn't possible. Oh, 100%. We get involved
0: in all aspects of the community. We run uh, monthly uh, friendship groups. Uh, Anyone who's on their own or feeling a bit lonely can come down to one of our coffee mornings and meet other like-minded people in the area, Um, come talk to us about personal problems over the bar. And the team have been trained out to how to react and to get involved with it, and supporting local charities
1: and it takes five visits for a landlord normally to to learn who somebody is and their name and it's a uh, again it, it is just about sparking a, a customer interface, yes, but you basically are mates with these people pretty much at the end of the day hundred percent they become part of the family, and your 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 pub is
0: the community, and your locals do become part of the family and how you look after them and getting to know someone 's name it's when you first mention the customer walking by their name, you see the glow in that customer where you've taken the time to get to know that person.
1: And Catherine, obviously, uh, there are lots of tips to learning names, but also learning lines is the same sort of thing. So what have you done over the years to help you get through that sort of stuff?
4: Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, learning lines is a different kettle of fish <laughs> in, in any ways, but um, I suppose it's the repetition and, and those customers that are you know, coming in frequently daily or weekly or whatever of course you get to know them and um a bit like the Rovers return all sorts <laughs> goes on in a pub in your local you know um there are some absolutely joyous moments i've so many happy memories of working at my local you know weddings and and christenings and family days and and the best quiz nights and i think at the moment there are still a lot of people who who are very apprehensive who are feeling lonely who are feeling shy and um, perhaps a little bit um timid and scared after the past 18 months and I think the great thing about the Green King local pubs campaign is that you do have a safe environment to go to and there are people there that you can talk to if you want to um particularly guys because we know that statistically guys don't talk as much as we do. And, and, you know, the male suicide rate is still very high as with anxiety and depression. So often people feel more comfortable in a, in a pub environment, you know, to open up and chat to each other, whether you drink or not, you know, I'm, I'm not a big drinker, but we're always at our local because we love that sense of community. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important that we support our local pubs because the hospitality sector was well and truly forgotten about over the past 18 months. They've been treated so badly. Um, so it's it's down to us to support them now.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to uh, your, your local Terry, I mean, with, with the knowledge that you've done, the landlord knowledge, a bit like uh, we've heard about for taxi drivers in London, but it allows you to see uh, the, the route through running a proper pub.
2: Oh,
0: 100% get to know more about your community, what what makes it tick and how to engage with even easier with your locals when they're coming through.
1: And when you're part of something like Green King as well, you know that support's there behind you, backing up this work that you're doing. Oh, 100%. I mean, support Green King gave to me personally when I came back from COVID
0: uh, was phenomenal. So now that we can actually support our, our team and our, and our locals is even greater. So mm-hmm. we're lucky to have Green King.
1: And the likes of Berrybrook Farm, uh, just outside Wolverhampton. I mean, that, that's one of the uh, the farmhouse inns brand from Green King. And it, you go there for food and maybe a drink as well. But it, it, you know, these places are offering top quality food. And, and it's it's about making that accessible to people to, to go out for something which is a little bit different, but not too expensive. Oh, 100 percent. That's the whole, whole idea of Green King is to be the community hub. So, I mean, again, Catherine, uh, you know, your your time on the streets was uh, as an interesting one. We don't want quite as many dramas in real life pubs as you guys saw on the cobbles.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the Rovers Return has seen some pretty hairy moments. I think you can rest assured that your local Green King (laughs) won't be quite as dramatic, but they'll be very friendly. They'll serve great food and they're there if, if, you know, if you need a friendly ear, which is so important, especially now more than ever.
1: Where can we go for more information about the
0: campaign? Uh, if you look on the Green King website, Green King Locals, and if you type in your postcode, it will bring up your local Green King pub to you, where the staff, uh, my colleagues are waiting to
1: greet you with open arms. And uh, you yeah, go along and enjoy your local. And this is all part of making sure that these locals are there for many more centuries, just as they have been for, what, literally millennia already, isn't it? 100%, get to know your local. That's the way to do it. All part of the community and all part of enjoying some great uh, time together. And it, what what better way of doing that than over a pint? I think that sounds like a good one, whether it's a diet drink or a full fat beer. beer. So you can enjoy that however you want to do. It. Well, Catherine Dildesley, of course, Corey Star. And Terry Rigg from Green King, thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank
4: you so much. Have a good day.
1: The home of cinema in Wolverhampton is, of course, the Lighthouse. And I must apologise to Kelly Jess because I haven't had a chance to have a catch-up with her for a while. Uh, but she joins me now to have a natter about what's going on. How are you doing?
5: Hi, Jason. I'm, I'm all right. How
1: good. are you? Are we getting by, thank you. Now, the, the, the we were talking just before the whole James Bond thing happened, and hopefully that was a good time down there at the Lighthouse.
5: It certainly was, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it brought in so many new faces as well, which was... Really encouraging, um, but obviously James Bond can't save everything, and, and there's still the slight cloud of COVID in the background. Uh, you know, so struggle continues, and, and that's a national picture. It's not. I'm not just saying that. On, you know, on from LightHouse's point of view, it's 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 a difficult time for the venues. So mm-hmm. we'll keep fighting.
1: Absolutely, and, uh, and the lighthouse is well worth fighting for, that has been a battle which has sadly had to go on for nearly a decade of, of, of ensuring that people know that it's there and using it, and because, once you get somebody into the lighthouse, they become a regular, that's how it works, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, uh, my, my night in town is a night you're not open at the moment, Monday night so I'm missing out on coming to the lighthouse, but uh, I will, fingers crossed, be back with you in the near future, I know I've got to pop in and have a chat with Aaron in the not too distant future about a film festival, so yeah. we, we'll be finding out about that, but we can can touch on that now but what else is going on down there at the minute
5: well in terms of the films we've just we've got you know all the big ones that you would expect to be seen in an independent cinema and uh, we've we've again we, we're really proud of how we bend our program together um to bring the main films that uh, people are expecting but also to, to pepper it with some of the smaller independent releases so coming up with currently we've got spencer which is the much-anticipated um, uh, film around the week. It's set over three days. Um, Princess Diana's by Kristen Stewart, and it's we're having, um, you know, interesting feedback about that. Uh, it's not an episode of The Crown.
1: It's because somewhat of- different, yeah. That, that is highly dramatised and quite clearly, in a lot of cases, made up. Um, I think that, that we have to accept that. Anything with Olivia Coleman is a bit of a drama, isn't it? Yeah. So.
5: Which leads me nicely on to the next one we're showing, which starts Um, last Friday it's on for the rest of the week. Um, is Mothering Sunday with Olivia Coleman, Dosh mm-hmm. uh, O'Connor. Um, again, it's a period costume piece, love story. Um, yeah, it's beautifully shot, beautiful, You know, stunning costumes and settings and yeah, set design and that. But uh, yeah, again, it's uh, Olivia Coleman. She's a bit marmite, you
1: either love or I hate it. I have to. I, know, um, I, I I like. I like it from both points of view because she. She. It's. It's. it's like going to see a Sean Connery film, isn't it? Uh, in, in in many ways, because uh, not the Bond days, but later on, it was. Like, you I, got. You got Sean Connery, and uh, whether that was something you loved or hated in that movie, that was how it went. But Olivia Common, I think, is is almost like your modern day is a sort of character actor who, who does. That, that character and that you, you get a feel for, for what she's going to play because that's that they know how to use her.
5: Exactly, exactly. There's an interesting one coming out in the new year, which we'll talk about another time, uh, which has just come onto my radar. So that's something, you know, some of the product that's coming through with Olivia Holman in, in, in 2022. Um, so the other films you've got coming up are King Richard, which looks fabulous. I haven't had the privilege of seeing it yet. Um about the father of Serena and Venus Williams, tennis champions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've got a lovely little French film called Petit Maman, um, which is the follow-up film from Celine Scalia, uh, Scali- Scali- uh, which who was the director of um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And if anyone didn't get to see that, I would highly recommend it actually on BBC Player. Um, at the moment, and it's the most beautiful film, um, and so that's on the twenty sixth of November, and we're bringing Dan's on back for another week, just because we know there are people that, even though we showed it for four weeks, there were still people that just couldn't quite get to it, um, you know. So that, that's by backed by popular demand, and then we're running into House of Gucci, which is the new um, Adam Driver Lady Gaga vehicle, um, <laughs> which. People are, you know, raving about. They're really looking forward to that. It's got That's quite.
1: Because a lot they of just attention. lose talent. That's what it is. They, however, you really see, they're there's losing talent on screen, and uh, it's, it's just. I think p- the, the, there's probably a, a move towards some films which are probably a, a little more, um, uh, it, sort of star driven than there has been for a while as well. And I, I think that makes it a quite interesting time in the cinema.
5: Absolutely, I think with someone like Lady Gaga, because, um, you know, she 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 did very well in The Star Is Born. I, I thought she was magnificent in it. Um, it's not everyone's cup of tea, you know. Um, but um, she, you know, I can see that she's trying to sort of navigate her way through into into the film um, as part of her career development. I think films are something that she wants to prioritise. That's what she said to me the last time I met her. Well,
1: yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah,
5: but... Um, and then um, And then... So, it, again, back to... This one isn't particularly talent-led in terms of known actors, but there's the remake of West Side Story coming through. Uh, we've got it from the 10th of December. Um, and it's Steven Spielberg that's directed it. And it, it's, it's been talked about. It's almost been talked about as much as the on um, Everybody was waiting, with bated breath for that to come out.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Now West Side Story is actually hitting the screens, and we, we can't wait to, to screen that. It, it, You know, if you're into musical theatre, West Side Story is one of my favourite films. And I'm not a real big musical theatre fan, um, but it is one of my favourites. It's just amazing. And Subject Matter is still as prominent now as it was, you know, when it was first released. Yeah, well, you know, ultimately it's Romeo and Juliet, isn't it? So Mm. the story, you know, continues through every generation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Th- through, through the decades, through the centuries and still relevant today. And uh, it, this is just a, a taster of what you have going on over at the yeah. lighthouse. I mean, y- your exhibition space uh, has been probably less used recently than ever before, but there are still things going on.
5: Well, uh, it, it, we've had a full exhibition programme since uh, since July um, mm-hmm. and it's booked right through now up until next May. Uh, next June and we've got exciting. we've got British Art Show, um, Fringe event, we've got the Deaf Film and TV Festival, Uh, they're doing an exhibition, we've got um, Edward Hammond galleries that he's just done one last month, he's coming back in April. Uh, There's there's all sorts of things going on in the gallery Um, but um, the other thing we use the gallery for is, is to host and accommodate community group meetings or singing for lung health people for example and all these groups that we've nurtured relationships with before covid they're all slowly starting to come back now which is absolutely brilliant to see see faces that we haven't seen for nearly two years you know um, and they're all you know coming back in this you know we're still classed as a safe environment we're not you know inundated with hundreds of hundreds of people only um, so well, it's, you've got
1: his space though in a high roof yeah. and, and that makes such a huge difference
5: exactly and I mean things like you know theater like I said earlier everybody's having in, in terms of venues there's still you know questions and confidence um, of, of, of audiences wanting to come back do they don't they um, you know and it's a it's a long road ahead and uh, you know in terms of theater um, we've got some we've you know we were introducing the theater program back into our programmers into our offer as well. So we're starting off with anything bows, the Robert Lindsay, uh, Gary Wilmot, Felicity Kendall um, production. Uh, that's on the 2nd of December. So we're so excited to be bringing back the theatre side of things as well. Um, and then we've got the wonderful Nutcracker from the Royal Opera, from the Royal Ballet on the 9th of December, which you can't have Christmas, uh, you know, you can't run really, independent cinema without showing the Nutcracker.
1: Yeah, it absolutely has to be done. And I, I think it's going to make everybody's festive period so much better. I know. And, the-
5: and we've got such a brilliant programme for the festive period. We've got um, the, we've got a, a, what we call a pick and mix where you can pick um, out of five films and have a special discount. We're going to be announcing details about that shortly. We're going to be showing Die Hard, Paddington, Elf, It's a Wonderful Life, and Home Alone.
1: This and is just so you can enjoy all your Christmas indulgences, isn't it? Alongside this is it, yeah.
5: And I've never seen Die Hard, so that's got to be <laughs> sorted out. And then we're also screening a wonderful new production, of A Christmas Carol, um, which is which includes contemporary dance. It stars Andy Serkis and... Um, and uh, um, also, um, oh, I can't think of the other one. Kerry Mulligan. Kerry Mulligan, yeah. she's in it. <laughs> and it's a beautiful um, contemporary dance piece. And then, you know, in terms of Christmas, you know, you could come and get a gift voucher for one of your loved ones as a present. We're also uh, a, um, a selling point. For the gift card, the city
1: gift card. I spotted that. Yeah, you can, and that's all part of yeah. uh, Wolverhampton being able to go out and uh, and spend in our city. And it's all about keeping money local, whether it is going exactly. kind to of the cinema or eating out. Make sure you're going to the independents wherever mm. you can. Yeah, the other stuff. are employing people in our city, so there is cash to be had there if it's a national company in our in the heart of our city. But spend it in our city and go for the independents where you can because they absolutely deserve it. Yes,
5: absolutely. We, we've, you know, we. We're having to fight really hard to keep going and, and you know, for the, for the city itself to have something special for people to go to, you know, it's a difficult time and we want to be able to offer an escape and, and a place that people can relax and enjoy and be entertained. But also, you know, we need support as well as as an arts charity. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hosting um, an All Hands On Deck on the 11th of December, which is a fundraiser for Lighthouse. All Hands On Decks is a a vinyl night where you can bring in your own vinyl put your name on the board and play um three or four songs of your own so it's a really eclectic mix of music it's a great atmosphere so we're really excited that, that your hands-on text guys are supporting lighthouse this time and also we, we are going to be launching a new crowdfunder um in the coming in the coming week just to you know again we're an art charity and charities have to make a call to, for support on a regular basis and that's what we'll be doing just to sort of help um, ongoing ongoing uh, costs to keep mm-hmm. going into 2022 when there's going to be so many exciting opportunities for the city we want to be part of that still we don't you know and we need we need a collective to keep supporting us to keep going
1: yeah, and it's uh, through that core of people who, if they can't come and use the facilities because it's not something for them, which amazes me, but there might be some of those people out there, you can still fund it, don't worry, you can join in that way. Uh, but equally, so to know that there is this sort of arts venue that has got such a, a wide range of opportunities for local artists, uh, but are still playing on a, on a national scale. Uh, and you, You've even been featured on, on Channel 4 News. They came and did a show from there. You know, There's, there's, there's all sorts that uh, that, uh, that happens because... Uh, of Lighthouse helping to put Wolverhampton on the map. And uh, even with TEDx talks that have taken place in the past, I know that you've been working with them on the recruitment drive as well recently. So mm-hmm. there's all sorts of things that Lighthouse does that you might not realise it, but it's certainly well worth being part of. Uh, from, I mean, me bumping into Noddy Holder down there is it, with the Willard Wiggins exhibition in the past. Mm-hmm. All these things are, are, are just a big part of, uh, of of Wolverhampton life and the Lighthouse is at the heart of that and has been for, what, three decades?
5: Absolutely. There's never a dull moment
1: <laughs> to, to do it right so we need all the details on where we can find out about everything that's going on and of course to book tickets and then sort of spot the, the likes of the crowdfunder when it all happens
5: yeah so our number is 01902 925 225 we're not open on mondays but we're open and um, from 12 late morning every day apart from uh, Mondays so you can ring up and book book tickets over the phone or online at light-house.co.uk you can follow us on Facebook Lighthouse Lighthouse Cinema Cafe Bar or Twitter at Lighthouse Media and everything's updated you can sign up to our uh, weekly newsletter if you um, subscribe on the website it's really easy and then you'll get an email once a week with everything that's coming up in the coming you know weeks ahead so, so please do that
1: absolutely support lighthouse whatever you can however big or small that contribution whether it's using the place or just talking about it that's a great start and it will help to keep alive a venue which is just truly truly essential for our city Kelly Jeffs, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us and we will catch up again in the not too distant future.
5: Thank you, Jason.
1: Elaine Christie is a published poet working on a project called Wingset and also has been part of many, many other great live events too and joins me now to tell me a little more about her world. Hello. Hello. So so give us a bit of background to start off with. Let's hear the story.
3: Uh, Well, I first started um, doing an anthology in 2014 called Restless Bones.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And um, I had poetry from Virginia McKenna and um, Richard Bonfield. Mm -hmm. And many of the spoken artists that I really liked, I went round and asked if they'd join in. And it helped raise funds um, for Born Free USA to fight the fur trade.
1: And obviously a, a very, very worthy cause and something which in this day and age should never ever have been an issue. But uh, unless it's the likes of our arts that raise these things, very often, we don't always get uh, the, 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 the sort of response from people as we would like.
3: No, it was from a different perspective so that we we hoped we would reach more people with poetry. mm
1: mm-hmm. So uh, give us a a, a bit of a tale of what goes on with your uh, open mic nights. Because, I mean, we're used to music open mic nights, but poetry is, again, another world, which is very welcoming to new performers.
3: Yes, I run, um, well, I did an, up until lockdown, uh, run Poetry Bites, Mm -hmm. which is based in Kings Heath with my co-host, Matt Nunn, who's another excellent poet and uh, he was actually my tutor, my first tutor years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a great team there and, and bringing new poets and
1: people who, who just want to sort of share some prose and, and have the opportunities to, to, to see what others think of their work as well. And I, I think poetry is one of the things you often write for yourself, but share with others. And I, I think that's what makes it special in amongst uh, all of the arts.
3: Yes, definitely. Um, It really does have any kind of uh, poetry. I mean, short stories as well um, have been done at Poetry Bites. So we're quite welcome to everybody who wants to join in.
1: Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed we'll see that restarting again soon as things calm down a little. But again, you're all part of a, a world who is taking this pandemic very seriously. We know it's not over yet and it is uh, about being able to, to feel comfortable and safe. So we, yeah, we're not always quite there at the moment. But uh, what, what else is the, uh, the you're working on at the minute?
3: Well, from Restless Bones, because I like the name so much, I decided to set up a publishing company mm-hmm. and that's called Restless Bones Publishing. Yeah. <laughs> and I published my first collection, in 2019, just a month or two before lockdown, mm-hmm. and that's called "Hear My Cry," and the one we've uh, just released is "Wing Set," which is a poetry anthology for um, to to raise funds for my local RSPCA.
1: So, obviously, animals very close to your heart and uh, any oh, yes. creatures that can't defend themselves uh, need our assistance and certainly uh, you're doing great work there. So that is, I know, uh, appreciated by all who work in that sort of area and allowing the funding to be there. But equally, uh, being able to, to to write something of the, the stories of some of those uh, creatures too, I'm sure that's something that you take uh, great pleasure in doing as well.
3: It is, but it can, it can also be very heartbreaking. hmm as, as an activist, you do see the worst side of things. Um, and sometimes the joy of these animals gets lost. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so I try to bring um, not only the sad cases that I've had to deal with, but um, how I see the animals, the joy, mm. the magic in them. And and from that as well,
1: it's been the uh, piece of work that's been included in a publication by Extinction Rebellion too.
3: Yes, they included um, Invisible Tribe, which was about uh, the Amur leopards. There were only 14 when I first wrote the poem, and gradually, through conservation, they've increased, and it's over 90, and I hope they carry on.
1: Yeah, and uh, it obviously there's a lot of work there making sure the gene pool is right and uh, and helping these creatures to, uh, to to thrive again after man has done so much damage not only to them but their environment. Sometimes because they feel, you know, p- uh, people have felt uh, threatened by them and have tried to uh, protect themselves, but equally, you, often you're taking over their land. So it, it, you have to look at this from the, the, the animal's point of view as well.
3: It is. You have to see from all sides. Um, it's not just a quick fix on one level. It takes many levels. And, uh, yeah, people do in- tend to cro- encroach on their land. So it's trying to find a way a way around it. Mm-hmm. But leopards are rather secretive and they really just... Uh, want to keep out of humans' way. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the shame is that they're so beautiful to look at as well. I mean, we want to see them, but uh, they are the uh, the pattern that they have for, uh, uh, for for stealth purposes, for definite, but there you go. So there's an awful lot in your world, and people can do this by following you on Facebook and also seeing uh, your work with the publishing company. So give us all the details on where we can find what's going on.
3: Uh, well, uh, at the moment, I'm on Facebook under uh, Elaine Christie, Or there's a Poetry Bites anthology. That will tell you all about Poetry Bites and our upcoming competition. Um, And then we shall be starting another anthology next year um, to raise funds for a different charity. So we're just hoping to do it for many charities. Mm -hmm. Uh, The website is is still being uh, rearranged. So uh, that's not available just yet, but it will be.
1: But look for Elaine Christie on Facebook and uh, people will be able to find you, follow you and uh, see what is coming up. And once that website is there in all its glory, they'll be able to share and revel in that and uh, see more of your work online. But I say, I look forward to the return of Poetry Bites. I would love to be able to come along to one of these events in the not too distant future. So fingers crossed. Keep us posted. Let me know when that's back up and running and we'll get you and your co-host on the line to have a chat about that then. But for now, Elaine Christie, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 649 next week. I'll see you then. for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the
0: milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.